you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the League podcast starts now. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hendricks, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes, Chris Wessling and Mark Sessler. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Back what? in our studio with beautiful sound quality. Yeah, I. we should say thank you, special thanks to everyone that listened to the show when we were in New York and New Jersey and put up with the, the sound it, you know, uh, we had Kave, our fill-in producer, who did a great job, but, you know, we were limited by the sound. Now we're back in the studio, and it's almost like if you have, like, the zoos that the animals were kept in in the early 1900s, and they would just be bars and very crude, and that's where we were in New York. Now we're in the habitats that you have at San Diego Zoo, where they try to recreate what it's like for these beasts in the wild, and everything is right. It's the way it should Wait, be. Wait, we're still essentially under capture we're caged an inspired analogy from dan hansen <laughs> we're caged we have shadowy league figures acting as our zookeepers if you will yeah it still feels ominous uh but you're right there's more clarity it feels more like home um yes we're back in la and to get back to la and we're, we're going to get into some more super bowl talks and final thoughts and talk about the teams and we're going to get into some headlines and some some teams that jump out to us as the offseason approaches. Those are all topics, but we, we should touch on... And by the way, Greg Rosenthal is on a sojourn, I believe, with his wife and young child um, somewhere. So he's out, but he will be back our next podcast um, if Greg's listening to this. Enjoy that sunshine, buddy. That's it? Nobody has anything else to say to Greg? No, well, we totally agree. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. All right, have good. A, have a wonderful time. So Greg. to get back to L.A., we needed to take the charter flight, um, which became one of the great, great adventures or misadventures 
of the modern debacle. era. Would that be safe to say? It was a debacle. We basically the flight. We got to the airport in Newark at about noon. Flight was delayed three or four hours. We sat on the plane for two hours. Finally, they said we're taking off, but we need to take twelve bags off the plane because we were overweight, which was, seemed like a personal slight. But they said the plane was overweight. They took twelve bags off. Otherwise, we would have had to land before L.A. to refuel. They actually take twenty bags off. We learned, and we still had to land to refuel. In Vegas, finally got home. It was like a 13- or 14-hour ordeal. and But we were at least lucky enough that we weren't one of the 20 bags that got sent off to Seattle. Well, and my favorite aspect of this is so we're sitting on the tarmac waiting for about an hour and a half longer than we thought while they pull said bags off the plane. And they were sneaky enough to have a cart with 12 bags. And was it NFL Media's Christina Poncher, I think is her name? She That sounds she took fine. A, she took a shot of it, a picture, and it got sent around in a office-wide email. If you have a bag on this cart, you're out. Yeah, You're well, done, baby. And but even, there, we, there were another eight that they didn't even put on that cart. And even beyond that, it was kind of a, a brilliant optical illusion because if when you're dealing with those kind of stakes, which is, by the way, you're going to be on this plane for 12 hours, and then when you get to the godforsaken LAX airport, your bag won't be there. When you try to look at a picture like that, all you can see is your bag, even if it's not yes. on there. Like, I was certain my gray suitcase was on there, but it wasn't. We were all lucky enough not to deal with that. I lost my iPod on the plane. Did you know that? No, that, well, Mark lost that his wasn't in the his news. Hotel. You lost your iPad. I lost yeah. my iPod. Oh, sorry uh, to hear that, Dan. Some people lost uh, their dignity uh, due to the open bar on the plane. Not, <laughs> I, not us, though. No, we were I would say that we were... We were we were rather sober-minded throughout the flight. I appreciate that the only instructions when we got on the flight was things will flow freely. That was very nice. Damashek in the back of the plane uh, had a podcast. Plane cast. A plane cast impromptu. We were not invited. But you know what? It bothered me initially, and I said that to Dave when we were in the airport after the flight. But then I said, that's okay. They have their own crew. We, we shouldn't impose upon their plane cast. They had a nice idea. And, uh, you know, we, we stayed f- further up in the plane and played some cards and read, read Are books. Are you okay? You don't sound totally okay with <clears throat> no, it. No, I'm okay with it. All I'm right. okay with it. Um, and one other thing. I did tweet about the – a lot of people tweeted about that, the charter flight from hell. Someone tweeted back at me, um, you shouldn't complain about a paid vacation, which is just insanity. Uh, we worked a 14-hour day on Super Bowl Sunday before this flight. That's a job, bro. Let's well, listen, I, I think that there are enough people out there that, you know, if they're putting shingles on roofs or <laughs> drilling holes in highways, they look at what we do is we're not getting our hands dirty. That's fair. It, am I wrong? I don't know. No, I, I agree. I, uh, that was my first Super Bowl experience. I enjoyed it. I don't think I'll ever step foot in New Jersey again unless it's on the airport ground. <laughs> Come on, you love <laughs> it. But, th- you know, it, it was it, it could be seen as a vacation, a uh, working vacation. All right. So why don't we talk about, before we're going to move forward into the offseason, and before we do that, why don't we just touch on those two Super Bowl teams one more time. Um, I would like to ask both of you gentlemen, by the way, the gold standards behind the glass today. How are you, gold standard? Yeah, doing just fine. Thank you. Did you miss us? So tremendously, I would feel awkward putting it into words. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I, I noticed it was very busy during Super Bowl week. 
I only saw about three three hundred to three hundred and fifty soccer related texts from the gold standard mm. on Twitter. I just mm-hmm. want to keep you in the loop. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. As everyone knows, my favorite soccer team is the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. You got to go home. Yes. You know? Um all right, so let me ask you gentlemen. Which of these teams, the Seahawks and the Broncos, um, are more likely or is more likely to make it back to the Super Bowl next year? This Start is there. one of those occasions when I am very happy that I don't, look f- I don't work for another network where they may encourage us to embrace one of these teams, even if we don't believe. Embrace the debate. Right, yeah. Well, there's mm-hmm. no debate here. The Seahawks mm-hmm. are clearly more likely to get back. Why is that? Well, they have uh, a better salary cap situation. They're younger. They have almost every key player coming back. The Broncos don't have that, and the Seahawks were the better team anyway, so they have a much better situation. Mark? Yeah, I mean, I, mean it, I think what Wes is saying is that we both clearly look at Seattle and say, A, they're young. Um, they were built in a way where they're not a quick window, quick to combust type team. And, you know, I look over at Denver and I say that they're not built around one player, but they certainly are much more to a degree than Seattle is. Seattle is a roster that every position group, their strength and they here's the thing with their defensive backfield they didn't draft six all pro players what they did was they have the way their philosophy works the way they coach those players up they're coached well enough to go play and start anywhere else in the league yeah and i i wrote a really great piece this morning about how the <laughs> seahawks used the back end of the draft so well you know, that is obs- that do you hear what you just said oh, oh i meant <laughs> west west wrote the great piece <laughs> west wrote a great piece about how uh, it's not just about a lot of people will point out and say, oh, Russell Wilson makes no money, relatively speaking, so they were able to beef up in other places, which is certainly true. But ultimately, Wes, if you can go down the line of uh, some of those big guys in the secondary and uh, linebacker core. Well, the Seahawks have three players who were uh, drafted in the first three rounds of the draft that played a significant role on defense. They have seven players drafted in the last four rounds of the draft that that played a significant role. So you're talking about Richard Sherman, fifth rounder, Cam Chancellor, fifth rounder, all pro type of players. Uh, Byron Maxwell came out and played great uh, opposite Sherman, sixth rounder. Malcolm Smith, Super Bowl MVP, seventh rounder. K.J. Wright, one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL, fourth rounder. Red Bryant, uh, one of the best run stoppers in the NFL, fourth rounder. And then Jeremy Lane, a guy in the secondary who was one of the best special teams players in the NFL, was the sixth rounder. This this is a defense where they're not paying these guys a lot of money, but they're still playing better than anybody in the NFL. And that's when I look at the idea of a dynasty and how a team can be set up for a dynasty. I know people are going to quickly tell you to shut up and you know they win one Super Bowl and all of a sudden you're talking. But no, this team is set up for that type of run because they have so many of these guys that are under their control, so much talent on the roster. It's, it's really, they have a very good shot at uh, making a run. In fact, when you factor in a uh, young and talented and also a third-round pick, Russell Wilson, as the quarterback, no team has been this well set up since those early aughts Patriots team teams. And I just want to say one thing about the Broncos – Mark, you alluded to it that on some level they're really built around Peyton Manning, and he's going to be 38 next year, you know. And he's this is to me when they look back at this season and and we touched on this on the Sunday show when when John Elway wakes up on Monday morning he knows this was a colossal missed opportunity because Elway or Manning is going to get old, and even if if he played at eight if 
it's fair to say he played at an A plus level this year. Even if he drops down to an A minus B plus type guy in his age thirty eight season, which is highly possible, I don't think there's enough on this roster to to fill the void. Even Von Miller coming back, I think that they need him to be at that level to be in the mix. Well, look, it's saying it starts with Peyton Manning. If he is able to approach the play from this season, I'd have no problem with Denver with, even if they lose Decker and maybe a player here and there, going 12 wins, maybe even more, and going right back to the AFC Championship. If he pulls a late last season Favre type thing, which I don't see happening with Peyton, different situation where he's not getting hit like that. But what you're talking about a little bit is that the Broncos were built to sign Peyton. He's eating up all their cap space with a window built around Peyton's career. As far as he goes, we will go. The Seahawks built their team completely different. Right. And people were ripping Seattle three years ago on draft day when they were picking players that everyone else said, not on our board, what is up with Pete Carroll, John Schneider's crazy. And now everyone's saying, oh, wait, they were building a defense based on a different type of defensive back that other teams don't use, now they do. But they were ahead of the curve, where Denver, I think, has patched up a lot of holes this offseason b- before this year with veterans, with guys. Elway went out and got veterans in known quantities. I think there's a lot of talent on Denver's roster, and I think Elway's done a great job with, as well. I don't think this is a situation where Schneider blew um, Elway out of the water from a personnel standpoint. And to your point about Favre, I don't think – I don't see a Manning uh, dropping off the way Favre did in his last Minnesota season – but I don't think it has to be that much of a drop for them to really come back to the pack. There's no way he's going to repeat what he did. And he probably won't even come close. When we predicted in August that this offense would break records, we did so because they had that foursome, Decker, Welker, Thomas, and Thomas. If you take Decker away, they no longer have that foursome. They no longer have the pick-your-poison offense that forces defenses to play one-on-one all over the field. And the more teams embrace what Seattle's doing and play physical, get big physical defensive backs to push the Broncos receivers around, this this wasn't the first time all season it happened. The Colts won by doing the same thing. And if more teams start to emulate that, I think the Broncos will have more trouble. I just don't see the Broncos. I, I think they'll have to be the AFC favorites again, depending on what happens in the draft and free agency. They were clearly the strongest team in the AFC. But they can't hang with the Seahawks and 49ers. But here's why you can't go out. It, anyone thinking that Denver's going to come out next year and lay an egg. I talked to Robert Mathis at NFL Honors, and what he said Name was, dropper. well, this is, this, is, this is how it works, Dan. We talk to people that tell us things. That the reason that <laughs> Indianapolis... Like that you explained yourself there. <laughs> Usually we all just kind of blow over it. Mark's like, well, let me tell you why it is that I ended up speaking This is to why Robert I just Mathis. dropped this name. Because, yeah, I, I thought that indie game was so interestingly close to how Seattle put pressure on Manning. He said that he, he put all the credit, Mathis, on Indy's defensive backs in that game particularly, said they gave us that extra half-second second, and that's exactly what Seattle did. So if you don't have it out back in the back of your defense, like you're not going to be able to slow Manning down next year. I still see – there's no way I can sit here and say they're going to fall off a cliff or something. One, one last question I'll present to both of you guys. Uh, can you envision a scenario where the Seahawks don't win 11-plus games next year? It would have to be injury-related, especially maybe with Russell Wilson getting injured. That's a scenario. But they basically have a one-year, one-more-year window here where they can build the best roster in the NFL because they don't have to pay Russell. Russell Wilson's going to go from 500000 to $20 million when he gets his extension probably. And that, by the way, the NFL's collective bargaining agreement works. They can't even offer him an extension until next offseason. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that because you look at, like, for instance, if Marshawn Lynch went down, they've gone out of their way with Christine Michael and Turbin to build up that, build up the ranks behind a lot of their star players. But just like Denver, if they were to lose Russell Wilson, you're not plugging Tavares Jackson in there and getting the same results. You're not plugging whoever the heck it is they have as a backup next year. He is a special player. He shouldn't be completely overshadowed by Manning here. But yeah, I, they're, the, they're built to win games with anyone on the field. We saw that they lost their entire defensive backfield in chunks over the last two seasons, and they continue to win. All right, fellas. Good talk. I was really impressed by the knowledge that you brought on that topic. Thank you, That Dan. sounds a little condescending. But... No, it was professional. Okay. And Wes, when I said that I wrote that article earlier today, total accident on my part. Not something I was trying to get over on the audience. <laughs> Fair enough. That's fine with me. Listen, we just, let's just move forward. Hey, uh, the gold standard behind the glass. Why don't we do some headlines, okay? Let's do it. We'll start with news that broke yesterday. The NFL and CBS will partner on Thursday Night Football in 2014. Uh, the break, CBS will produce all the games. They will air eight early season games before NFL Network takes over. For the final eight games leading up to the postseason, 14 games will be played Thursday with two late-season games taking place on Saturday of Week 16. Yes, the return of Saturday NFL football, a doubleheader. Phil Simms and Jim Nance will cover call 14 of the 16 games. Seems to be uh, pretty much a slam dunk for the NFL. Am I correct on this? Seems like it would help more fans, more fans who don't have access to cable can watch basic television and see games. That's true. I also think that uh, when I say slam dunk, this is going to be a ratings bonanza for CBS, and I think it's going to, on Thursday night, on the biggest network on television in terms of ratings, on the biggest night for television in terms of advertising, uh, this is going to be huge, and I would be kind of surprised if eventually all 16 games weren't on uh, on television, on, on broadcast TV. The only thing that I was kind of bummed out about because I would like that there. I like Thursday night football. I know a lot of people don't. Um, I'm happy that Saturday football's back. I'm a little bummed to lose Mike Mayock and Brad Nessler. I thought they did a good job. I am too. I wonder if they'll find. A, well, those guys also broadcast plenty of other games. My, Mike Mayock is a busy man. I yeah. know that. I think this is going to make a lot of rich men much richer <laughs> because this is a home run right out of the park. But the Saturday night football. I mean, I remember as a kid watching that, right? End of the year. That was when you knew Christmas was close. Yes. You were getting close to school holiday when those Saturday night games Well, they rolled. weren't in the old days. They weren't Saturday night affairs. They'd be Saturday, but they, there'd be yeah. – they'd throw a few like four – the other four o'clock game yeah, on the yeah, East yeah. Coast. It's dark by the time the thing starts. And it's, it works because college football is over by that time. And, you know, it's actually to me, it just it's good because it gives another reason to get Sessler into the office on a Saturday. It, Wes, if you are covering this sport 20 years from now, will you be covering a primetime game every night of the week? I would say no. I think there are issues. <laughs> there, are, there are political issues involved. It, it all gets tied up in that stuff where college football is going to say, hey, we own this night or high school football says we own this night. And usually, I love high school football taking down the NFL in this it's, scenario. It's an anachronism, but that's one <laughs> of the reasons why the NFL and college don't play on Friday nights because lawmakers have had to agree to this kind of stuff when they okay antitrust uh, exemptions for the NFL. And, uh, Mark, your favorite show, Big Bang Theory, getting moved off Thursday because of this. I actually have no idea about that. 
when that is on the schedule. Didn't even know or that was you... on Thursday. Respect the show. I did not even know it was on Thursday. All right. I think we've tapped this well. Uh, all right. Tony Gonzalez tells ESPN the magazine, quote, Matt's an excellent quarterback, referring to Matt Ryan, the Falcons quarterback, but he's not elite. He's this close. And I imagine Tony Gonzalez is holding his pointer finger and his thumb together as he says that like this close but we don't know that it could be he could be stretching his wingspan as far as he possibly could is that the technical name a pointer finger pointer you're pointing with it what is it forefinger index index i don't know i don't know if that's pointing with it uh do we agree with what tony gonzalez has to say on this issue i think that's fair can you name a quarterback in the nfl who is elite but is not the best player on his offense I can't. I think that's a fair and way to I think, to, I think to the silence it. kind of... Uh, and Julio Jones, we talked you. about this when Julio Jones went down with the injury, that Matt Ryan's limitations will surface. He's not a guy who can carry an offense. He depends on his surrounding talent. And he's as good as you can possibly be by surrendering, depending on your surrounding talent. But Julio Jones makes that offense go, in my opinion. I'm not sure what... I mean, you know, we were at one point barred from writing articles that talked about any quarterback being elite. Yeah. Do you remember that? The E word. Right. And so I'm not sure what it means because I think it's a, it's bubbled up in the last four or five years, not to talk about the players that are, but to talk about the players that, well, you think you've done this Eli Manning, but you're not elite or Joe Flacco. You're not elite. And then it's like, I'll go win a title. And now I'm elite. So I'm not sure what it has to do with beyond winning titles at this point. I think Matt Ryan hasn't won a Super Bowl, And that's why people say that it's an elusive definition. But I think in order to be elite, you're going to have to be better than one in four in the playoffs. And, sure. that's, and that's what Matt Ryan's record Fair is. Fair point. And, and I also think if you – and you use Peyton Manning as the most recent example, you can be elite. You could be the best quarterback in the world. It's, you need the team around you to get over the hump, and that's how Eli Manning ended up with two rings, and that's how Joe Flacco uh, got the biggest contract ever for a while there and won a ring. Uh, the Falcons regressed talent-wise and, and dealt with injuries last year, and it made Matt Ryan look worse. I mean, it, I don't even think it reflects poorly on the guy. I think Matt Ryan played the exact same as he did in 2012. He just had a worse offensive line and two receivers who were injured. That's not really his fault, but the game film shows the same quarterback. Now, next year, he has to do it without Tony Gonzalez. Just for fun, uh, Wes, would you rather have Matt Ryan or Joe Flacco on your roster going forward? Matt Ryan, easy decision. Mark. Yeah, that's that, that's not a hard decision. All right, fine, whatever. What about you? What about you, Dan? Uh, Matt Ryan. But I like Matt Ryan more than Wes, certainly, and I, and I believe Mark and I might be a little more on the same page. But I'm not a huge Matt Ryan fan, but that has more to do with the blasé nature of their home stadium. And Matt Ryan himself. Wait, Even his name is blasé. I like Matt Ryan. Why are oh, you I thought so you didn't like Matt no, Ryan. No, I like him. I just You can't say he's a great – he doesn't carry the offense like guys like Aaron Rodgers do. I just think he, he, he's ranked where he's supposed to be ranked. He's about the eighth-best, seventh-best quarterback Wait, in the NFL. Yeah, which isn't such a bad thing. Is there an uh, AR scale after Ryan scale? I'll work on that for you. That's, that's interesting. Mm. Maybe he's the dividing line between elite and— Oh, we might have some cooking here. He might be the—he's in the oh. Philip Rivers category to me. He's the dividing line between elite and yet still a franchise quarterback. We might have to go into the lab on this one for a couple of months. Tony Romo might be around there. Big Ben I put closer to elite than, than the yes. rest of those guys. Yeah. And finally, uh, two former Packers standouts with neck issues are hoping to be in the mix in 2014. Tight end Jermichael Finley 
uh, said that he wants to finish his career with the Packers after his spinal fusion surgery. And then safety Nick Collins said he's, quote, willing to take a chance after two years away from the game after suffering a serious neck injury. You know, maybe it's just me, but whenever a guy says, I'm willing to take a chance, and he's talking about a neck injury and the type of thing that could put you in a wheelchair, I don't know if that's necessarily the right move. Well, he's willing to take a chance, but last year when he was free to sign wherever he wanted, no teams were willing to take that chance. Mm. So we'll have to see if anything's different this time around. I think it's easy to forget just how good Nick Collins was. Three straight Pro Bowls before that neck injury ended his career. The Packers' defense has really not replaced him since he left. That's been a big vacancy in their back end. And that says, though, because they haven't filled the void at all, how serious being close to that player, they did not want to flip the switch and put him back on the field. I don't know what front office decides to take that chance because uh, it's, you know, it's a tough situation, but it's a PR disaster waiting to happen if he gets injured. Well, I think... I have a problem with someone telling another person how to live their life. So for me, if he wants to play, go for it. Sure, for him, but someone's got to agree to take right. be no, that I team. Just, that's I, I would never criticize him for taking a risk to put himself in a no. wheelchair. If that's something he wants to do, and he's a thoughtful guy, he's considered all the ramifications, go for it if that's what you want to do. Jermichael Finley, we should note, last time we talked about him, there was a debate. There was plenty of questions. I remember Mark Shamira, Mark Shamira said like 99%, 99% chance Finley never plays again. So now all the news is he expects to be fully cleared within a couple of weeks. It looks like he will play again. I doubt we see him in a Packers uniform. Well, and by the way, Peyton Manning, we were having this conversation about him two seasons ago. So it's, you know, these guys do come back and they have the best treatment in the world and they seem to come back from injuries we would never come back from, especially to, Dan. To quote, wow. To quote Michael Scott, it's all nebulous. <laughs> yes, that would be it. Yes. Um, all right, <clears throat> let's move forward. Off season, we're about to get into it in, in a real way. The combine's coming up. I believe you two gentlemen will be going. Is that correct? I have my fingers crossed. That's close to my hometown of Cincinnati, yeah. and, and it starts on my 40th birthday, so I'm hoping a Fingers crossed. few people make the caravan to Cincinnati for that. Chris, I'm going to make that happen. I'll make sure you're in that building for hey, I appreciate Lucas that, Oil Stadium. All right. I have that kind of sway. You know, who's going to call me out right now in the middle of the podcast? No right? one. There's, um, no. But yeah, so the combine, to me, it's like the unofficial or official start of work. work yeah, it's not a, an original thought by me. The combine is a big part of the draft process. I never thought of it that way. You know, that's the way I always look at it. And I'm a little outside the box, but combine draft, there's a connection there. Um, so we, this is off the rails. So I ask you gentlemen, and I will offer my own team as well, but um, try to play this off as if you hadn't had time to prepare. Uh, most intriguing teams as we hit the offseason. Well, this goes with our offseason forecast, which is being placed on the website this week. Nice sell. Dan is going to start with the Jets. Mark has done the Browns. Uh, one team I'm interested in is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I feel like this is a pivotal offseason for them. We heard reports during the season that if things didn't go well, Paulo Malo will be dumped. Ryan Clark will be dumped. Brett Kiesel, Ike Taylor. Uh, there's talk that Lamar Woodley will be cut. Maybe Jason Worlds is a free agent. Do they re-sign him or re-sign Woodley? There's a lot that can go on on this defense, and it's basically do we expect to contend or are we going to go with a flat-out rebuilding season? So to me, that's the one I'm most looking forward to. How about what came up at the end of the year when uh, 
the rumors bubbled up that Big Ben might be dealt. Do you I, that at this point I view that as a, a non-entity? That's there's no zero percent chance of that happening. I will say just to play devil's advocate though, if you if they do decide internally to do a full rebuild, uh, does it make sense to have a 32 year old quarterback that could yield a small fortune on on the open market? Sure. Sure, it makes sense because you're never going to get value for a franchise quarterback, and teams are looking for franchise quarterbacks. This is what the Steelers, if they trade a Big Ben, they go into a window where they have no replacement. And really, we've seen one good draft, one good offseason can turn a franchise around. Look at that, Look at the Seahawks as an example. 2011 draft and free agency, they turn that franchise around. The Steelers can do the same thing. So when you say that you're most intrigued by the Steelers this offseason, is there a scenario whereby – the Steelers hit a home run in the draft and make a couple depth signing depth signings in free agency, and they're a playoff team next year. Absolutely, look at look at their offense by the end of the year. Le'Veon Bell looked great. Heath Miller's coming back another year removed from knee surgery. Antonio Brown was one of the better receivers in the league down the stretch, and the offensive line I think gave Big Ben as few as sacks in five or six seasons. There's a lot to look forward to on offense. They just have a lot of homework to do on defense. And Roethlisberger looks so good in the second half. Of the, he was pretty good all season, but in the second half of the season, I, if you take his stats and his production and put up, up against anybody, he's right there. So this is a guy that's still right in the prime of his career. If you put some talent around him, they're going to well, win games. This is a team that went 8-4 and four in its final 12 games. It's not that outlandish to think they'll be a playoff team. Mark, how about you? Well, I mean, there's a bunch. I go Houston right now because I th- I think a they've got that number one pick, they've got a new coach. We're already hearing that the owner wants potentially Johnny Manziel, but the coach might want a different quarterback based on his own read on Johnny Manziel. I think it's going to be very uh, intriguing to see what happens leading up to the draft because you know out of the gate a lot of people thought well you know look at this defense is so dominant when it. When it wants to be, it was two seasons ago. What if we add Jadavian Clowney to the mix? So there's a lot of ways you can go, but I I think that what we've seen, uh, even in the last couple of days, they didn't hire an offensive coordinator. So Bill O'Brien, what that tells me is we're going to go out and get Matt Schaub is out the door, obviously. Uh, Case Keenum, I think he'll get a look, but that's about it. We're going to get our own quarterback, and our head coach is going to be tied at the hip to this guy from day one. And that's that's going to define O'Brien's legacy is whoever they pick and how that works out. But at the same time, the thing that stuck, stood out to me during O'Brien's initial presser was the owner, Bob McNair, who basically said, we are not rebuilding. We are a playoff team that had a bad season. We're going to go right back in and win now. And how do you attack that from the draft? Because I look at Houston and say, you actually have more holes than some people think you do. And that coach might be under more pressure than any other this first season to win right out of the gate and go right back to a 12-4, and 13-3 type scenario. And that's tough to do with a rookie quarterback, depending on who it is they get. And it's tough to do it's with... impossible to have very that type hard. of season with a rookie Very hard. And I mean, it's and it, will O'Brien navigate... You know, I understand at Penn State he didn't have an OC and he called his own plays. But being a first-year head coach, and when you read books about first-year head coaches and you get what they said coming out of it, it's like... I knew nothing last year. In the second year, I'm starting to finally get a, a drift of what's happening. That's a tough thing to not have a coordinator on one side of the ball. Can you say Johnny Football again? Johnny Football. I saw it. I saw your heart 
skip a beat in your chest, Mark. Well, that's right, because... I like to imagine you having daydreams while at the office or sitting at home of you and Johnny Menzel getting a condo together in downtown Cleveland. Wait, why are we going down... Why would I be living with him? <laughs> Just friends. <laughs> it's yeah. like a friend thing, but okay. you're like going through... You're almost like his turtle, uh, to use an entourage analogy. It well, is interesting, because whenever they do at number one, if they go defense, it that Rams... The Texans, you mean. The Texans. Yeah. The Rams can... They potentially have a, that pick to trade right there if someone gets desperate and wants to trade up for the quarterback they want. It's going to be a very interesting. And desperate first. and Browns, those two things. Well, go they do, hand and I hand. think Cleveland's you know transmit for ages. We if this is real, we want Johnny Football or whoever we want. We're going to get him. This is a pretty cushy place for a quarterback to fall, though. People forget how good DeAndre Hopkins looked early last season sure. before basically the two quarterbacks sabotaged the offense. Um, Andre Johnson still playing at a Pro Bowl level. I don't know how much time he has left, though. Even though he played great good, last year, he's getting older. It's a good now. point, but he's still playing well right now. He uh, could be at that right at that point, like the Steve Smith 2013 drop-off level. That could be happening at any point now. They are going to probably lose Ben Tate. Sounds like he's going to go out the door. And then, who knows, Arian Foster, a little bit injury-prone. I mean, Coming off back surgery. Right, suddenly you don't have that <laughs> and other deep backfield. Right. So we'll see. <laughs> I just left Dan see. just staring, at, you know, a thousand yard stare into nothing across the room. <laughs> well, let me tell you about my team, Mark. All right. And Chris, po- more popularly known as Wes and Sess <laughs> amongst uh, the East Rutherford scene of New Jersey and Newark and Jersey City. Sure. Very popular in Jersey. Did you guys get any uh, heat on Twitter, by the way, for your assassination of Chris Christie's state? What's odd is I got not a single message. I expected to be obliterated. Uh, not a single New Jerseyan sent me anything. Maybe it's because we said the people were great. It's just that the in January, when it's eight degrees out, the landscape is bleak. There's nothing they can do about that. Jersey strong. Something I like. received a... A wayward rec- uh, restaurant recommendation, I believe. Yeah, I got a few of those as well. I think people wanted us to enjoy our stay better than we were doing. They did. As someone that uh, that is a native of the region, you guys were staying in the wrong area of New Jersey. One day I will take you to nice areas of New Jersey. No thanks. <laughs> I'll take you on one of those motorcycles with a sidecar. There are forty nine. <laughs> there are forty nine other states. Um, all right, my team is the Arizona Cardinals. This is a, an intriguing team. They went 10-6 and six in a, a loaded division, uh, missed the playoffs, of course. But there are some things that jump out right now. First of all, you have <clears throat> Patrick Peterson, who's really emerged, uh, fair to say, he's a top three, top five cornerback in this league now. Yes. Um, he, he hinted that he might hold out. He actually told PFT when asked about a, uh, the idea of a holdout to obtain a new contract. I can't speak on that right now. That sounded foreboding. Um, you also have... Also in that secondary, Honey Badger, who suffered, obviously, that bad knee injury in December. There's a bit of mystery around him about, you know, I'm sure he'll be ready for the season or he should be ready for the season, but who knows if he'll be Honey Badger again because he was probably, I know my boy Sheldon Richardson got Defensive uh, Rookie of the Year, but he really, that was Honey Badger's award that he basically had to give up. Um, fair to say? I, I think that's fair. He would have he been in the running, definitely. And then uh, Carlos Dansby, he was the anchor of, uh, of Bulls' defense last year, and he's headed towards free agency. Plans to test the market, and he's an interesting case because he's turning 33 in November. And, and nobody know. really wanted him last offseason, if you remember. He sat out there forever like Daryl right. Smith did with the Ravens. 
Nobody wanted him, and Cardinals fans will tell you he was a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate. By the way, no one, nobody wanted John Abraham either. Right. That's true. But, and, I mean, how much how much commitment do you make to a 33-year-old linebacker? That's a good question. I look at, like, a nice eight-year contract, <laughs> $70 million. Fitzgerald specifically mentioned Dansby and Peterson when he restructured his contract, that he wants that money to go to those guys. And, oddly, threw Frosty Rucker yeah, into the Yeah, that threw me for a loop. <laughs> Frosty Rucker, released by the Browns, suddenly is on Fitzgerald's wish list. When he's on Larry's radar. Well, I think the Cardinals, on the other side of the ball, they have to fix the offensive line. Once again, have one of the worst pass protections in the NFL. Uh, they need a left tackle. What's good for them is they do have Jonathan Cooper coming back, their first-round pick from last year who didn't play a single game. He should be coming back healthy, but they need to re- retool that offensive line. And for me, I guess I'll always question Carson Palmer. But, sure. But maybe they take a second- or third-round quarterback uh, as his successor. That would make sense. Um, Larry Fitzgerald Sr., uh, of course, the father of uh, the Arizona Cardinals wide receiver was right in front of Mark and I outside the winning locker room on Sunday in the Meadowlands. And I did ask him, I said, Larry, is is your son going to be back with the Cardinals? This is right before the restructuring news broke. And he's like, damn, he just needs to get here or something like that, referring to the Super Bowl. Yeah, the Super Bowl, which makes sense. Did Dan not just completely name drop? Yes, he did, and we okay. we just want to, to confirm like what yeah. you know yes, what did. categorizes as that. <laughs> that was an out of the way name drop. Sometimes you just gotta work your way to there, and then show your influence within the structure of uh, <laughs> professional sports coverage. Um, all right, so those are the three teams. Well, what's interesting about the Cardinals is I keep seeing like power rankings on who are the five best teams entering the off season. And I keep seeing the Cardinals in the top five. It's just hard for me to believe. Well, that's natural, though. I mean, they beat Seattle at the end of the year. They came within a game of the playoffs. And in that division, they I thought they were one of the, the – Arians was obviously like a coach of the year type candidate. But those things don't tend to work out a lot of times. I just can't see a team with Carson Palmer as its quarterback being one of the top five teams in the NFL. No, and he he had like the most Carson Palmer, Carson Palmer season ever this year. And now he's going to be 35 next year. I just – I mean, he's not going to get better. He's just going to be who he is. And and unless unless you really have a monster team built around him, they're not going to come out of the NFC or be one of those power players. Didn't he throw four interceptions in that win over Seattle? Yes. That's yeah. not a that's not necessarily a paradigm for winning right. in that division. He's sneaky terrible. I mean, I, I well, you know, he was sneaky terrible early in the year. He did play pretty well in the second half, but. I just – he's not a top 15 NFL quarterback. I think they must know that, though, and they're going to draft someone, don't you think, to, to groom? He is he is basically running the border of the Dalton scale. Mm. <laughs> Which is we now know is not a great thing to be doing in the NFL. At least it means you have, your jo- you have a job, but it's not necessarily a great spot. Uh, before we get out of here, we will be back – I think we'll be back next week doing three Monday, shows. We'll be back on Monday and we'll – we will be doing three shows a week throughout the offseason. So while other people might slow it down a little bit right now, the ATL crew, pedal to the metal. We're continuing straight through the offseason, giving you hard-hitting football analysis. I have, uh, Wes, I have a couple questions. Number one, should we bring back Win Wes's toaster next week? Absolutely. Find time to do it. Yeah. I think it's time for the challenge. This would be the gold standard's first exercise with Win Wes's toaster. I hope he understands, in terms of production, uh, in terms of the responsibilities, finding, locating contestants, screening them properly, 
getting the phone call logistics straight. There's a lot of pressure on you here. I'm on it. In the words of Bart Scott, can't wait. Woo-ha. Wow. Love it. Woo-ha. I now have people in my life, friends, family members who have listened to the show, and they now want to challenge me for the toaster. Mm, that's interesting. So why don't we, uh, on Twitter, tweet at us, hashtag it, um, hmm, should we do WWT, Win Wes's Toaster? That makes sense, right? Sure. And uh, if you're interested in taking Wes on, and the gold standard will handle uh, finding a couple contestants. So we'll do that next week. And also, Wes, one other bit of housekeeping. What's going on with the map situation? Have you uh, found a (laughs) cartography store? I have. I have a map coming. This has kind of been put on hold while we had our Super Bowl activities. Yes, sir. Me traveling to Ohio for a week. But it's now the time of the year where my spreadsheet is going to be converted from a spreadsheet into <laughs> tax that are on the map to represent all of these different places that people are from, and we will have a picture of it up here in the Studio 66 that we will tweet out. Well, how big is this map going to be, by the way? It's going to be uh, poster size. I like that. Well, it has to be. What were you thinking? Cereal box size? <laughs> no, I was thinking like, we the need entire a big wall. map. We, we've got well, like right here. I feel like works right. Well, I, I'm giving some thought to. Buying a world map and also a map of the United Kingdom. I was going to say, you need every village and township in Great Britain to We have cover a lot of listeners got. in Great Britain. Yeah. That's why, yeah, we can't have a crude map that just has the country. We need the towns. This, I'm thinking I've never purchased a map, but I'm thinking this would probably cost about $1,400 U.S. dollars. <laughs> I have no idea, but to have a map with that kind of detail, well, we're well going to do, do our best. And I don't want to leave out like the Channel <laughs> Islands or Guernsey or something like that. We're no. going to have to have all the right Guernsey. places. Guernsey. Guernsey. All right, good. So you're on top of it, Wes. So yes. In terms of a timetable, is this something that will be done by the end of February? <laughs> yes. <laughs> good. I'm excited. I'll give you that pledge. <laughs> all right. That's it. Uh, Greg will be back on Monday. Uh, perhaps we all will, you know, during the off season. One of us might not be around for certain shows, but we'll keep the shows coming. We'll have some guests that jump on throughout the offseason. It's going to be fun. I'm excited about the offseason. I know that you're excited because games are over, and you're not really into football games. It's true. It's one of those things a lot of people don't know. I've never actually watched a game. Yeah, but you did a nice job covering them. Thank you very much. Um, all right. Until Monday, this is Dan Hansis signing off for the Mailman, the Sizzler, the Gold Standard. Until Monday. There's a darkness inside me, and I can't shake it. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, You're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the land of saints and sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Getting ready to take on spring? 
Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.